talking about, or finish what we started before, which was talking about uh, the Iran-Iraq war. It's great to be here, homos. Thank you. Um, so yeah, uh, this is, we, we did try a uh, full disclosure. We did try to do this, uh, one time before, um, uh, and we were stopped by, uh, the techno, the techno ghost, uh, prevented us from, uh, concluding recording this video, but trust me, um, we are all the better for it cause we're much more, um, researched and ready. And this is by the way, just such a fascinating topic and, um, uh, that that I, I agree with uh, I know, another thing to, uh, to say full disclosure to the audience when Maxwell comes on a podcast he like gives homework to you um, <laughs> to read before uh, he come on and <laughs> he comes on but I must say it's good homework I liked it it's and also uh, we came to a lot of the same conclusions and the, the first of which being uh, and maybe we can delve in at this talking point right away is uh, the reason why the Iran-Iraq War, or as it at the time was known, the Persian Gulf War, hmm, no. yeah, um, is not often talked about, um, is uh, because it's there's a reason, and uh, we can get, get into the many different reasons. But number one, um, and I think you'll agree with me, it's a kind of like an embarrassing stain on American foreign policy. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it doesn't. It just doesn't track well with, uh, the, with narrative. The, the story, the narrative, right? That we took later, like, and when I mean later, I mean like two years after. I know this war it's concluded. insanely right. short <laughs> amount of time. Yeah. Well, what really gets me about this whole thing? As soon as you start looking into Middle Eastern conflicts and politics and stuff, there's this kind of trope that's put around by this. My whole lifetime has been put out by the by the media that uh, look these. Arabs are so tricky to deal with because they've got these shifting alliances and they're always changing their minds and you never mm. know you can't you can't make a deal with them. And then you look into it and you think they pretty much stay true to what they started off. Yeah, with. yeah. It's <laughs> they're it's one of the, the most unchanging Western. groups of people in the world. Yes. <laughs> right. They pretty much want one thing. Um yeah. and it's and it's oil and for the US to not be there. Yeah. Yeah, or you know, France or Great Britain or whatever. Yeah, the way the uh, sort of seasons are in the Iranian Revolution, really, aren't they? Which was kind of goes back to them kicking the what's now BP out. So it goes. It would go. I would start back just a little bit further than that. So you had um, Iraq's quote unquote internal enemy, the Kurdish people, who were trying to. Um, who have been trying since World War One, right. give or take, been trying to when establish the their own country. When drew up the very arbitrary and you know actually you know problematic in terms of uh, con you know uh, interstate uh, mm -hmm. conflict um, is concerned uh, lines up after World War One. They are the ones who kind of divvied it up, and it you know and you know it seems like they really didn't know what the fuck they were doing. Basically, yeah. There's there's two and there's two takes on that. There's one that. When they were dividing up, you know, the the former Ottoman Empire in the Middle East, uh, they were just dumbasses and they didn't know what they were doing and didn't pay much attention to the different ethno-religious lines that they were drawing. Um, the other take is that they absolutely knew what they were doing and they designed the Middle East to basically have maximum conflict, right? Because um, it, it, it would be easier to control, basically. Um, I'm not actually sure what I think about that. I could really believe both. I, I can uh, present but... a, a fairly tinfoil, a fairly 
fully tinfoily explanation for it. But there, the one time that all of those um, Arab countries all united at once together, they almost, almost fucked the, uni- the United Kingdom's boy up Israel. Like they came pretty close to fucking, I mean, like Israel ended up winning the six day war, obviously, but like there was a minute there where they were not sure whether they were going to pull it out. And, uh, mm-hmm. and it, it, it is beneficial <clears throat> in the long run to have, uh, all these disparate Arab countries not get along because that's the kind of, you know, there's, if there's a foreign influence in the area, they might kind of see it as an, as a common enemy. Well, uh, as right. the, as the resident dreary Brit, I will just uh, on the dichotomy of was it incompetence or Sven Gali like malice? Uh, I would say that it's, that it's very likely that the committee that drew up the, uh, the the proposal for the borders was probably incompetent, and the Sven who wanted the conflict probably looked at it and went. Yeah, that'll do. <laughs> so I, think it's, I think it's both. The round table yeah, members be a little who, bit of both. who were on yeah. the group. But the actual the actual Iran-Iraq war, you have, you know, this long-standing conflict that Iraq has with the Kurds. Obviously, they don't want the Kurds to have their own independent state. Right. Um, neither does Iran, really, because, you know, Kurdistan also kind of extends into, yeah, into um, their territory as well. But um, obviously, because the, the Kurdish people are Indo-Iranian, um, they're... There is some sympathy there for them. Are they uh, Shia um, too? I believe, or no, they're Sunnis. I think um, I th- I thought that the Kurds. I think that they they're Sunni and some of them are Shia, but then also they have older pre-Islamic traditions. Okay, and that's kind of what makes them a little bit. Yeah, more they got some commies up in there too, isn't the YPG? Are they they're Kurds, right? They're uh, like a- they so they started off with this guy Asalan, who was starts off as a Marxist Leninist, but then um, for whatever reason, and people dispute why he did this, he he somehow read actually one of my favorite books, The Ecology of Freedom by Murray Bookchin, mm. and he wrote, writes Murray Bookchin, who's like an American anarchist philosopher. He writes Mary Bookchin a letter saying that, like, I, I am your um, I am your most humble student and invites Bookchin to come to Kurdistan <laughs> to teach the Kurdish people how to enact his philosophy called social ecology. And Bookchin at that time was old and dying and said, you know, I, I appreciate it, but I'm not going to be able to make it. But since then, officially, they've become he's a, socially He's Jewish. Ecologists. He knows better than to go right into the fucking right into the fucking <laughs> belly of the beast. <laughs> well, it's 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 funny. It's funny because I see when I like I followed a lot of Kurdish accounts. I see a lot of um, pro-Israel sentiment on there, actually, because oh, yeah. they. They, I mean, the enemy of my enemy, I guess. Also, yeah. I'm pretty um, sure Israel, uh, or not Israel, with the CIA. I'm not trying to make this a Jews boogeyman kind of thing, <laughs> but like with the CIA, um, do do back a lot of those like those Kurdish rebel groups in order to fuck with uh, the Syrian, yeah. uh, you know, yeah. the Syrian army. And this is right. And this is precisely why Iran Gay is ops, definitely backing um, <laughs> Kurdish Kurdish rebellion in yeah. Iraq. So just the prelude to war, right around 1975. Um, Iraq makes this deal. Saddam makes a deal with the Shah, who's still in power. Yeah, it makes the this Algiers deal Accord in, or something. They meet in Algiers, yes, and they sign this deal where Iraq renounces any of its claims to um, Arab territories in Persia and Iran. Kind of bullshit in, in exchange, to TBH, but uh, you know, but in, but in exchange, but, the the agreement is that Iran will stop doing gay ops in Iraq with the Kurds. Yes, they will stop. They'll stop backing the Kurds. They also ask, you know, they also officially ask Israel and, and the U.S. to stop backing the Kurds as well. And so Saddam's not happy with this, but it, 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 it it's um, progress of a kind. Um, this changes with the Islamic Revolution, I think about four years later, 79. 
um, when, you know, or, uh, Saddam is already suspicious of Iran and kind of just looking for a reason to grab the territories that he wants. And now that he has an openly hostile um, Shia Islamist neighbor, um, he, he has it. Yeah. And also another thing is um, Saddam incorrectly, um, by the way, believes that there's going to be a fucking pushover. It's going to be a pushover, Iran, 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 the new revolutionary government, because like, you know, it's kind of one of those things like whenever there's like a overthrow of the government, like only if like a, not a minority of the people are like really in the tank for that overthrowing group normally. And there's a lot of like middle ground people. So it, it would be kind of uh, it would kind of, it, theoretically in fucking Saddam's, you know, non, you know, classically trained military technique brain. It's like, oh, this is a fucking time of chaos. I can march my dudes in there and basically get all those Arab lands that are in Iran and, you know, uh, and also drum up you know, nationalism in my own country. Um, right. But uh, um, and then, you know, be able to also another thing we got to talk about Khuzestan too. Khuzestan was like this oil rich area, which is, you know, inhabited by Arabs um, in Iran. Um, so he kind of saw that as like a like a pretty sweet short term goal. Um, yeah. I, and I hate I hate to make this comparison, <laughs> but I have to because. I think the best way to understand, from a Western perspective, the best way to understand the um, Iraq-Iran war is that uh, it is very, in a lot of ways, it's very analogous to the Eastern Front in World War II, where you have Hitler looking at the Soviet Union. He's saying, this is a, um, a society that's been ripped apart through revolution. They can't even uh, beat the Finnish, even despite outnumbering yeah. them 10 to 1. Yeah. Um, I don't remember the exact quote, but it's something like, all we got to do is kick in the rod, uh, the rotting door, or all we got to do is kick in the door and the whole rotting house will, will fall in, something like right. that. Yeah. Saddam's looking at revolutionary Iran in the same way. What's funny is that he's making the same mistake, which is that there's nothing that will help a, 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 a burgeoning uh, fanatical movement more than some kind of common enemy An to unite everybody threat. and to focus that energy in, right? Uh, and then, you know, you he could have maybe tried to kill them with kindness, but... <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, so the Finns didn't invade Russia, did they? It was the other way around, and that was that was the difference. Right. You know, in terms of creating a common enemy. Yeah, um, I will. I I I enjoy this thought experiment you're doing or comparison you're making. However, and I, I last time we talked about this, although albeit briefly, um, I kind of alluded to this as like the, I I understand where you're coming from with the comparison, but on the other hand, I kind of see them slightly different because like. You know, while while I agree that like specifically in the structure of its government governance, like Iraq is pretty similar to uh, you can make some comparisons with uh, the Third Reich. Obviously, uh, it's like a pro nationalist and aspects of socialism. But really, at the end of the but day, if I could just clarify really quick, if I could just clarify really quick, I mean, I think it's just it's useful to understand. Sure, it's sure. one of the many analogies we can make. And I also say there are elements of. There are elements. There, there are Stalinistic aspects to Saddam. Yes, and there are Hitlerian aspects to Saddam. It's also he's and, kind and, of and more of like a Mussolini versa. kind of figure. He's more of like a go along to get along kind of raw power. Like he's he, like you know what I mean. Like Hitler, the the thing that really threatened like threatened society at large about Hitler is that he was like a true believer. You know what I mean? Yes. Yeah, mm -hmm. and uh, the thing and the thing with Saddam is he's not really. He's just kind of concerned with short term gains and power. Um, and that's, you know, that's not really like the, th like if you want to talk about true believers, you got to talk about, 
uh, the, the Ayatollah. The, Ar- the Iranians, yeah. yes, exactly. Yeah. Well, and with, and with Saddam, I would actually say what's interesting about him, there are things that Saddam did and there are aspects to his re- regime that to me, like he actually went beyond the authoritarianism of both the Soviet Union and yeah. Nazi Germany. He got, he reached new levels of sadism that like, even like North Korea, um, his only real contest, in, in my opinion, even yeah. North Korea, I feel like hasn't quite done some of the things that he he ended up doing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so uh, this is w- was where we left it, though, uh, was like, yeah, 1979, the the Iranian revolution happens. And um, uh, basically, like we said before, um, Saddam saw this as a moment of weakness and uh, decided that he was going to it started with, I believe him. He, he tried to base his invasion of Iran on the actions of Israel during the Six Day War. Who, start start with a with a rat, massive uh, airstrike. Right. Yes. Who, by the way, ironically, and I'm using ironic in the right terms here, uh, <laughs> in the right way here, based that off of the German blitzkrieg. I, I think yep. that's yeah. still irony, right? <laughs> well, a little think, bit, yeah, a little yeah. bit. There's a little bit of all co- all conventional uh, military tactics are Fermat tactics now, though, aren't they? True. That's, that's uh we're still all all fighting in like the kind of style of but well, though but that's that's kind of yeah. where that and, and breaks and in shock this and awe war, is, was you know yeah. this yeah. war that we're talking about in specifics is like you can make a lot of um specific one-to-one comparisons more with the first world war actually and mm. of course we're going to get into all that stuff but um mm-hmm. interesting though so anyway so that he based saddam based his first invasion of iran um, on the Six Day War, and he tried to um, basically uh, bomb all of the air capabilities of uh, the Iranians at the very outset of the war. But he Try did not have bombers. Yeah. yeah, he did not have bombers. But did the, but doesn't it right? So this is the thing, right? He doesn't. He he's going to try to do this kind of blitzkrieg, Six Day War inspired um, opening attack on on Iran, but he doesn't have the planes to do it. He doesn't really have bombers. Right. Uh, and because of that, you know, uh, kind of botches that. But uh, and, and then also another thing is um, one of the things he did was uh, he, he d- decided on three targets kind of in inside of Iran. Um, but in essentially he, what he did was have three groups of uh, three of his armies kind of lined up on the border and just march directly in. Like he tried to make it seem like it was a lot more complicated where he's like, oh, first we're going to go up to uh, I forget what the names <laughs> of the places were exactly. But, the you know, the, the southern the southern contingency is going to go into the Khuzestan area. The center contingency is going to go to the, the capital of Tehran and the northern part, the northern contingency is going to go to the north of Iran. And it's just like, right. oh, yeah. So you're going to march directly. So, into so we're just going to march into yeah. Iran. OK, cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I see how it is. Which is, yeah. which is, which is funny because this is the type of this is exactly what you'd expect from a guy who doesn't actually have very much military um, experience. Yeah. His cousin kind of was the dude in, in charge of the uh, Bath, who started the, the, the Bath revolution, or, you know, Bath insurgency. Mm-hmm. Into, and it, he ended up being the closest relative of uh, the guy who was in charge and died. <laughs> so that's how he came, fell into the job. I do want to, I, I, I want to talk about ideology really quick. And because again, from an outsider perspective, you might think like, shouldn't Iran and Iraq be able to come to some agreement? They're kind of on the same page about most things. They want the West out. They both hate Israel. 
Um, they both want, you know, Middle Eastern or maybe Muslim independence. Uh, so we all talk about based the fact things, that, yes. Yeah, there's an ethno, <laughs> there's an ethno religious conflict that, you know, just supersedes all of that, which is that right. the Arabs and the Persians historically hate each other. Um, and Arabs tend to be Sunni and um, uh, Persians tend to be Shia. But then the other thing is that Ba'athism is officially secular. Not that Saddam was above bringing up religion when it suited him, but Ba'athism yeah. was supposed to be officially secular. Yeah. So these things basically put them at odds. But I would still say the main difference is I think it was just it, deep down it was really just ethnic hatred that, that's yeah. fueling this. this it's, yeah, the hatred is only literally skin deep. Do, yeah. on, on the subject of Saddam's... Uh, tactical brilliance uh, <laughs> have you ever had a mustache maxwell i have yes yeah. i call it, i call it charmander did you find that it increased your confidence <laughs> uh huh i think yeah it does because the, the thing is is that wearing a mustache wearing a mustache in the 21st century in the west is like it's it's ironic and hipstery no matter what you can pretend it's not but it is um, and when basically what you're wearing on your face is you're saying, I am an asshole. Yes. And when you do that, when you do that, it's sort of like, it does take it, you, a certain you can't level take yourself too seriously. Yeah, it does. Yeah. I guess it takes a certain level of confidence to wear a mustache. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I've, I've found it in my mustache times that I do feel like a bigger deal than when I don't have a mustache. <laughs> uh, <laughs> if I noticed the first time I ever grew one, I would go, I would go into this pub regularly i've been all, all through my non-mustached years i've been going to this pub i'd never really noticed until i went walked in there with a mustache that the mm -hmm. the other mustache guys never used to talk to me when i didn't have a, a mustache but you walk oh, in there with a mustache <laughs> and you're in the club and, and they don't talk to you about mustaches they just talk to you about regular stuff like fishing and and whatnot but it's definitely i could definitely feel the power of the mustache attracting these other manly competent men <laughs> Well, it goes back to that old theory that, um, to, to make the comparison again, it goes back to that theory that, you know, Hitler didn't shave his mustache until the end of the war. And, yeah. you know, did he sh did he shave his mustache because he was losing or did he lose because he shaved his mustache? We'll never know for sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Good point. True. Anyway, I think that, so basically, he, uh, Saddam held the, held the confidence of his generals with a, uh, with, basically by intimidation. And part of that was probably down to the mustache. Yeah, yes, that and killing everyone helps. who didn't go. Lots <laughs> that and I will kill you and your whole family yeah. if you fuck up even once, right? Yeah. Part of when I, yeah, as I said before, he was somebody's cousin and got the job through nepotism in a way. But in order to solidify his power, he did have everyone who said him nay killed. Yeah. <laughs> right. There's also, I, I've heard this a lot about um, Arab militaries, uh, just in general, is that they uh, lie to their superiors because nobody wants to um, bring bad yeah. news to the sovereign, yeah. and that this this helped um, Israel immensely, and that this also helped Iran immensely. Yeah, that's definitely a disadvantage. <laughs> but uh, I think that there's there's a I mean, um, from what I've read over the years about the Iraqi military, there's a lot of nepotism at all ranks. So like you know the everybody's promoted to above the level of their competence and right. uh, they're just trying not to get in trouble. True. Right. There's some, uh, uh, what's it called? Amoral familialism going on. Mm. Yeah. Um, one other thing is uh, like at the very beginning of this war, um, the, the, well, he, when the Iranian revolution happened, um, they actually like fired all of the generals 
uh, because all the generals, of course, were uh, loyal to the Shah. Um, mm. So because of that, like the, basically the military itself was kind of non-existent and they yeah. had to use basically what their equivalent of the brown shirts in Nazi Germany was like their paramilitary wing yes. of the part yeah. of the political party uh, in order to fight back this like very organized and, you know, trained, albeit Iraqishly trained um, uh, military. So, actually, tell me, tell me if you know this, is it the. Um, is it that they already had the Revolutionary Guard and that just kind of became their military? Yes. Or was it, was. it like, yes. yeah, okay. That, that, yeah, yeah, okay. When they right. threw out the military, they were like, okay, there's no military. So all the only physical dudes with guns presence was the Revolutionary right. Guard. And, and that's very Stalinist. That, right. Yeah. After the, the initial push, uh, from the, uh, from the Iraqis, um, they uh, they were like, oh fuck, we have to conscript dudes now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like yeah. we can't just do it with our fucking goons. Like the, it's well, not, the goons ain't enough. <laughs> and it, infamously, that they would um, they would recruit recruit quote unquote yeah, yeah. Um, children off of soccer fields to to become for for suicide waves against uh, the Iraqi position. Yeah, um, yeah, which kind of leads to uh, something else we wanted to cover is the fact that it literally like almost instantaneously became trench warfare like on the front essentially at first like because um another thing another consequence of there not being any one clear uh, military strategy from the top down um from saddam against saddam not a military strategist type of guy um because of that they didn't really have any definitive um definitive uh, plan of action outside of encircle the city which is very, obviously right. extremely yeah. fucking hard like just look at vietnam like it's almost impossible to fucking completely overtake it's very diff it's a very difficult thing to do it's a very difficult yes. situation <laughs> um uh what's it called so um so basically at that point, the again, not wanting to stick your neck out and lose an entire regiment, the lower echelons mm. of the Iraqi military were like, let's just chill here. And like, we got, we made it in. We got a few yeah. miles yeah. in. We we're got doing a little good. Territory, so. Yeah, we're, we're getting, we got fucking Khuzestan. Now we can get all these fucking, all these, all the oil. This is, Saddam's going to be fucking stoked on us. Yeah. Um, while, while, while Iraq is setting up their positions, Iran, Iran dra drafts about a quarter million uh, people yeah. to, to reinforce. And uh, another thing is, um, like as we said before, like there's nothing like an external threat, a visible threat, to galvanize a fucking country to pick up guns and go and run it headfirst at uh, an enemy. You know? Yeah, foreign and soldiers great, on your yes, soil. Yeah, a great, a great and uh, terrible invader. Right. Yeah. Um, so uh, Saddam, Saddam gets tired of being bogged down, so he launches something called Operation Nasser, which means means victory, but doesn't doesn't quite work out for him. <laughs> I thought this. I thought uh, Nasser was on the Iranian side. Oh my bad. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. he at the end of the war he comes up with his own version. I'm sorry. Okay. I'm yeah. I mean, there's only um, so many words in fucking Arab. <laughs> 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 he does. Yeah. At the end of the war, in his last his last ditch effort, he he does something similar. But I know. I'm sorry. Iran's Iran's uh, Iran's uh, plan to break the stalemate is Nasser. And this stuff obviously reminds me a lot of World War One, which right. this comparison gets made a lot that the Iran-Iraq war is just World War One with World War Three technology. Yeah. Um, because it's always like if we just 
do this, if we just throw this many guys at the border, um, it, that that's gotta that's gotta be the, the breakthrough that's going to lead us right. to um, a rapid victory. But of course, it never works. And that kind of harkens back to like what actually got us talking about this in the first place. The last time you were on the podcast, um, we uh, oh cool. Um, we, uh, one of the things that you came on to talk about last time was alternate theories, uh, for, um, for what, what would happen if World War II had never occurred. And one of those options that you came up with was, uh, the nuclear Balkan scenario, which is the idea that, you know, without the less, the harsh lesson of World War One uh, for Europe, um, basically technology will increase uh and like the killing capabilities will be like exponentially um you know uh yeah, and, then show up. You. and then all the yes. european heads will end up colliding at some point inevitably but now with happen, without right. the the lesson of like hey maybe we shouldn't just throw dudes yeah, at a conflict over fucking borders you know if if you had right, if you had more time, basically for because at the time, you know, all of these royal families in Europe were very interested in getting more and more toys, and if they'd been given maybe an extra ten or twenty years, that um, you know, you could have seen like the Habsburg Empire maybe getting nukes, or if not nukes, lots of bad other bad stuff. Maybe they get yeah. napalm, maybe they get poison gas bombers, whatever. You can your imagination Space can run wild there. But if they'd had just a little bit more time to um, to bulk up with weapons. Uh, it, I, I can imagine the the first world war, quote unquote, happening at a later time right. with with much 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 more severe technology. And I think we get a taste of that in the Iran Iraq right. war. Right, because like, the Middle actually. East, while you know it's not any stranger to uh, to conflicts, however, it hasn't had you know this kind of dug into the ground, you know, uh, man mano y mano, you know, combat really on this mm. kind of scale and with this level of technology, and also without this level of funding because both of these countries in um the years uh prior run the run-up to this time have like had a lot of uh foreign input uh particularly like when the shah was in uh, was in power you know like like the 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 english were tied up there the americans I, I believe the americans actually installed the shah if i'm not mistaken um uh, and- there, there was a lot of CIA gay ops going on in Iran before the revolution of various different uh, shahs and regimes. But the the last shah they had was a complete wet blanket, wasn't he? He, he, he would kind of... Yeah, he was boys with no- uh, Andy Warhol. They probably fucked. Yeah, he had no idea how to sort of... He, oh. he was neither democratic nor authoritarian. What? It was just kind of trying to appease... One one of my favorite uh, one of my favorite interviews ever. I'm, I'm, I hope I can find it. It was this guy. It was an American Westerner. He was living in Iran right before the Islamic Revolution, and he said that he turned on TV one night, and he was at or he's at a bar or something watching TV, and he saw um, Jimmy Carter and the Shah drinking um, drinking champagne. Oh, because it was New Year's. They were drinking champagne right. on New Year's, and he was mm-hmm. watching that. And that's that's with that. He said that's when he knew he needed to get out because the Shah of Iran or the Shah of Persia is drinking alcohol on TV with the American president and yeah. doesn't see why that's going to offend people. Oh boy. Yeah. That's a big problem that, that was for the, Shia yeah, That was the moment. That's the, that was the point. That's the point where he knew he had to, he had to get the fuck out. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, it seems like the guy was, I, I think it was kind of like, I think he was uh, like ready to settle into uh, like a, um, the role of one of these uh, 
prime ministers of Vietnam that they had during during the war, you know, of South Vietnam. They've just, oh, well, I'm just going to live this opulent lifestyle and let the CIA look after everything. But it didn't quite work out that way, did it? Yeah. Mm, no. Um, but when, the, but when... The, the, I think the Iranian revolution was the most popularly supported revolution ever anywhere in the world. I, I've actually never heard that before. Yeah, that apparently. Well, uh, so it doesn't surprise me, actually. They say most revolutions <clears throat> occur with less than 3% of active popular support. And right. the, yeah. the, the Iranian revolution had about 10%. Okay, yeah. Which is a lot. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't sound like a lot until you see 10% of the people. Yeah, actually, exactly, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, Iraq is actually really good, was really good at the early point of, uh, in the war of actually repelling um, all of these Iranian death waves, basically. Yeah. So Ar Iran decides to double down with um, Operation Undeniable Victory. Yes, uh, I, I guess. If they just Maybe call if we it, change yeah, the name, it'll, it'll be twice as good, I, yeah. Again, this is exactly, this feels exactly like World War One, where they just, they come up with the new grand strategy. And like you were saying before, kind of like with Saddam, where he thinks that, oh, if I just make it sound sophisticated, it yeah, will be yeah. sophisticated. Yeah. And actually what it boils down to is they'll just throw a lot of guys at this yeah. point, at these points. <laughs> we'll march into their country. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, one of the um, things too was uh, this was the thing that uh, the old, literally the only thing I knew, like knew about this um war growing up was my parents told me uh about it and said that they tried to go through the marshes like across to, to cross the border and um but one of the things that the thing was is that the iraqis initially didn't think that they would even attempt that because it was like pretty treacherous so what they ended up doing was they they um mined it and they also put uh active electrical cables uh, into yes. the water to zap people trying to come over, which is just fucking insane. <laughs> this is yeah. Again, it's like it's like uh, it, right. It's like it's like World War One Part Two instead of yeah. but not World War Two. Yeah, um, I mean it's a total scorched earth policy that really, isn't it? In its own, yeah, without actually burning the oil. And the Iraqis actually made a fake uh, lake. They made a fake marsh, I think, outside yeah. of Basra on the southern border. And I, I, I remember, you know, when I, when I, when I heard that, I thought that's like, um, I'm, I'm surprised that that was never tried in Europe. I'm surprised that the Germans didn't try doing that. Good point. Or even the Netherlands, yeah, because that actually well, seems they, very effective. I think the Netherlands did uh, flood some areas, didn't they? They one yeah. a little village boy in the village took his finger out of the dike. <laughs> 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 Um, but but I, bet, yeah. I bet Basra Angling Club were delighted when that when that plan was announced. Oh yeah, I bet. But the the uh, the Iranians actually would launch uh, frogman attacks through these marshes, which I thought was pretty fucking cool, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but again, also like massive casualties, like on all sides, and but they'd probably all grown up with uh, American uh, GI Joe frogman kits. Yeah. And thought, yeah, hey, like, we know exactly how this works. Yeah. <laughs> We've been waiting for this. Uh, yeah, it's, it's so funny, like, like whenever I think about it's so weird, like to put into context, like it's such a like alien world. And I don't mean that in like a fucking, you know, like fucking foreigners way, like an alien world to me. But it's like hard to like place like 
my reality, my perception of reality on like such a fucking insanely unforgiving and fucking harsh landscape in general, like in the best of times. And then also this brutal fucking war that's going on. And meanwhile, it's the fucking 80s. People are wearing nylon fucking like track suits in America like during this shit. Uh, William has got fucking spiky hair. <laughs> yeah. Um, the, I, the other thing is, is that Iran is like able to keep launching airstrikes like pretty well into um, into Iraq. Yeah, all the way like over, is, like all the yeah, way over. And also they fucking able, damaged the uh, the nuclear. Um, yeah, they got called? the nuclear reactor, didn't they? The reactor. Oh, just a, yeah, before Israel was able to do it too. Actually, yeah. <laughs> Iran, Iran, beat them, Iran beat them to that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Uh, but Iraq is able to do, still able to do pretty good on the ground. But I can't remember what year, I, can't, I don't remember what year we're at in the conflict. But um, shockingly, Iraq sues for peace with the uh, with the Ayatollah. And this could probably be the end of the conflict, except that the Ayatollah decides that he's going to go full jihad and take Baghdad and install an Islamic revolutionary yeah. government Which, in, in Iraq. to his credit, based. um at the time it may have seemed based but it did not work out no 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 i know Um, i mean this is like i mean this brings up me to a question that bothers me all the time at the moment which is what the i mean i guess that could be justification for what i'm about to bring up but what what has iran ever done to deserve to be this international pariah that uh, (laughs) according to yeah. the U.S. State Department. I, I want to preface what I'm about to say with this. I've never been, like, a fan of the Islamic Revolution. I'm not an Iran stand. There's been a bunch of um, Western intellectuals, maybe infamously, the most infamous maybe be Foucault, who actually went and visited there and kind of drooled over the Islamic Revolution. They thought it was yeah. cool because it was, like, anti-modern. It was the first successful anti-modern revolution, um, if you don't count. I don't know. I guess if you don't count fascism. But um, I've never, I've never been about that. But pretty much the entire world was supporting Iraq and all of these offenses. Yeah. Um, the U S the Soviet union, the USSR and yeah. the Americans on the same America side and the, the Soviet union. Everybody, just, everybody was against Iran. There was an arms embargo on Iran. Um, the whole world is supporting these, these attacks. And then you have Saddam who's literally like gassing the Kurds yeah. and unleashing poison gas for the first time, like just blatantly violating the Geneva conventions on every level, unleashing like all the nightmares of the, of the 20th century yeah. um, in his, in, in a war in his war of aggression like undisputably his war of aggression and so in this context like it's hard for me it's hard not to not to be pro ron in this at least in this uh, conflict yeah uh, but i mean so you have this moment where the ayatollah could have you know backed off but he decided to it sort of showed his hand of desiring at least on some level some kind of international um Islamic revolution, which you can see is something that the rest of the world powers would deprecate and fear. And and that and that great irony no that Saddam thought <laughs> that that yeah, that great irony that yeah. Saddam thought that he was gonna have the upper hand because he was going up against some uh religious loonies who weren't gonna be able to to yeah. fight yeah. or hold the country together. But instead the tables start to turn and it's actually precisely because they're religious loonies that now he's not gonna be able to uh, get his finger out of the out of the trap. Yeah, yeah. But what, it's it still puzzles me as like present day, what threat does Iran pose to the rest of the world? I mean, is it that they're gonna 
invade Baghdad again? Or no, or it's what? just that it seems like they've already got Baghdad anyway. They have some modicum of power, um, and they're um, they're not uh, going along with the whole U.S. Israel hegemony in yeah. the Middle East. That's all it is. And there's no just the same no way Assad Assad is a fucking somehow uh, some kind of fucking uh, villain because he's not. You know, you know, he doesn't go like they don't you know, they don't have the central bank there. They don't have they don't allow interest, you know, all the same reasons. It's all the same shit. Yeah. Yeah, I guess so. But it's it just seems. I mean, like you, as you you sort of uh, prefixed your remarks with I'm, I'm not pro Iranian revolution, but, you know, but. you don't have to be <laughs> to say. No, but I mean, like, I'm not pro it either, but I don't care. One way or the other. Yeah, they have just a, as much a right to, right. to, to self-determine yeah. what happens in their fucking country as anybody else does, in my opinion. And it, yeah. in, in implicitly, I, uh, I guess implicitly, I am in support of it in the sense that I think it has a right to exist. And I actually yeah, really, sure. the thing that really chapped my fucking ass or, and continues to chap my fucking ass is this insane fucking neocon uh, military industrial complex talking point that anyone you talk of, uh, anyone you talk to who's a conservative um, fucking is just like, oh, fucking Iran. It's like, oh, oh yeah, Obama's fucking uh, sucking off Iran. It's like, chill, first of all. And second yeah. of all, and second of all, <laughs> fuck you. They have just as much a right to have fucking nuclear power as anybody else does. For fuck's sake. Oh, but, yeah. but Scott, women's rights. Oh, yes. I forgot. I forgot how much <laughs> fucking uh, Republicans care about women's rights. We have to starve <laughs> the entire nation and cut them off from medicine right. so the women can have rights. Although I or, suppose you know, they, as cut right. as conservatives are now, they do kind of, you know, uh, on yeah. some base level, will pay lip service to women's rights. Or they'll right. They'll talk about them, you know, hanging gays in public, and it's like, well, I'm glad you guys care about. I'm glad you guys care about the gays now. <laughs> they do though. We now. know that. We the know thing. that's your favorite. We know that's your favorite group. Yeah. Well, it's the eh. fucking the, the Michael Malice quote is fucking is uh, conservatism is just progressivism driving the speed limit. Like they're yeah. just they're just a few a little bit, but now they're just getting to the '90s where liberals were in the '90s is what Republican sure. mainstream Republicans yeah, yeah. are. I mean, the no, conser- like now, right. conservatism. In England, has been pretty much openly gay for the for, its inti- for the entire <laughs> history, all the way back gay. to hi- prehistory. Yeah, <laughs> I'm pretty. If you're, are you really going to tell me Edmund Burke wasn't gay? <laughs> They're all gay. They all go to boarding school and rape each other. Um, it's not rape if you uh, got it. I, I will say this though. I will say this though, just to make a um, comparison with the U.S. and Iran. Actually, is that it might seem like the elites. Uh, the elite conservatives are, you know, uh, relative become relatively progressive or something in a small amount of time. But that just might mean that much like in Iran and that guy who was watching the Shah drink alcohol yeah. on TV, yeah. it, it might just mean that the 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 backlash is just uh, going to be is 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 gathering much more steam than right. than we think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I agree. That's movement. The conservative movement guys, you know. Yes. Completely fucking zogged up. Uh, but anyway, uh, let's get back to the matter at hand. Uh, more importantly, so yeah, we're talking about uh, yeah. So um, so after the <laughs> undeniable victory, this is as you said before, <laughs> Iraqi the Iraqis sue for peace. They are denied the opportunity to uh, cause call a ceasefire. Um, in fact, uh, the uh, the Iranians take back Khorramshahr. 
um, which was uh, a uh, kind of a medium-sized city, I guess. I guess you'd say. I wouldn't even say it's a city. It's more, but regardless, it was like a metropolitan somewhat area. And uh, the Iranians... uh, Big enough to be important. Yes, they took back the area. And uh, now Iran is kind of... um, is kind of uh, feeling kind of ballsy at this point, which is probably leads to uh, Khomeini saying that uh, he's going to uh, not stop until they take an Iran. Now, this is the point where it's, you know, Iraq sort of shores up its allies in the USSR where they start buying shitloads of Scud missiles. I remember this was a meme in the 90s, the Scud missiles. Uh, yeah, and they a- were always talking about, uh, you know, the boy's going to go over there, watch out for Scuds. You know, it said when time <laughs> that was like a thing, like with the fucking Bart Simpson, t- the Bart Simpson t-shirts. Uh. Yeah, this period, and in response, um, Iran buys missiles. I can't remember who they bought them from. It was Libya. Was it Lebanon? Uh, Libya, I, Libya, Libya. Fucking, excuse yeah, me. It was Libya. Gaddafi. Gaddafi. Yes. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. Gaddafi comes in uh, uh, to to aid them, and this is called this period's called the War of the Cities, where they're just both bombarding each other yeah. with um, with ballistic missiles, and maybe you tell me i even in world war ii where you have hitler using i guess the first uh missiles against um uh london yeah uh nobody nobody in that war ever was able to fire a missile back nobody had them yet right uh, that's true yeah it was just the, the germans had them that was it yeah. i just i think this is the only time this is another thing where it's like um you know you get a little preview into what world war three would be like what a modern yeah. a true modern conventional war would be like um where you know most of the conflicts after world war ii are like these military slash colonial actions where you yeah. have a power going in and, and trying to root out guerrillas whether it's vietnam or afghanistan what have you but um, Any of them. this Pick one in this in this right in this war in this war you actually have two sides with basically modern technology yeah. and they're about evenly matched in fact they're so evenly matched that they can just both hammer each other with missiles yeah. and this is absolutely devastating to civilian populations on both sides uh, i believe i remember hearing something in a bbc uh documentary that i watched which is available on youtube by the way uh there's a lot of great material on this on youtube uh specifically there's a like i said a, a, believe in the 90s uh recorded bbc documentary a guy with a northern england accent um and then there's also one on thames tv i don't know if that's a thames maybe i don't know if that's the same thames thames uh thames tv also there's a lot of good interviews there's a really great interview right at the beginning of the war where the um the uk uh, the ambassador from iraq to the united the united kingdom uh kind of lays out what they wanted in the out of the war and it's pretty interesting because they're trying to it, they're kind of doing this double talk thing oh, whatever i'm we're already past that point mm. i should have brought it up earlier this is <laughs> this is a, a, a bit um on the subject of like the western media portrayal of this and this like i i i said before on the uh, the media i can remember from my childhood of, of watching this this original persian gulf war was the 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 british media at least sort of kind of feigned not understanding what was going on and it was just like oh these you know arabs are all <laughs> killing each other you know and uh, but there was a in between the end of this and the what we now call the gulf war the first one uh there was um a, a british the most prominent british anti-war 
socialist guy. He's a Scotsman called uh, George Galloway, and he's become something of a media. Yeah, yeah, I'm familiar with Galloway. Yeah, yeah. He has a he has a show on Russia Today, and he's become something of a media kind of. It's definitely a, a sort of a cult personality, if you like. Yeah. But he actually went and it, when when the first Gulf War seemed inevitable, he went and moved in with Saddam Hussein to try and stop stop it from getting bombed. And, and I remember this, yes. I mean, he was him, yeah, yeah, he was vilely smeared in the media for this mm. and it being a traitor and blah blah blah. However, recently, I mean this shows you how cooked the media is and uh, George Galloway clearly is I mean last year when the uh, lockdowns and stuff were, were kicking off he was castigating this is the most anti-war person in Britain supposedly right mm-hmm. he was castigating people complaining about lockdowns because oh we had to put up with people put up with a lot worse than this during World War 2 where's the good old blitz spirit and he's like wait a minute dickhead <laughs> I, I used to like you, but you see, you're now invoking World War II bombing as something that, that I, you should... That's, the, that's I mean, the thing. Those people, those type of people never know when to quit. I was just going to yeah. say, the reason why I'm familiar with Galloway is because the amount of fucking outrage about those people going to um, Iraq to be uh, Western human shields. People yeah. are so upset about that in the U.S., especially where you know where I grew up, which is very uh, kind of a military town. Yeah. Uh, and also because um, uh, Christopher Hitchens, um, who I am still a fan of, despite you know, <laughs> despite yeah. his grievous errors uh, uh, at the end. But um, he he hated Galloway so much, and it would never miss an opportunity to shit on him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I I think he's shown his. It's definitely. I mean, I've never really followed him closely, but I'd sort of got as my as I've become more anti-war, I've become more pro Galloway, mm. and then suddenly something comes along, and he wants to, and he wants to use. Oh, you know. Wasn't it great during the war? As a, as a, yeah. I'm like, oh, it's like just kind of a, yeah. It's like t- almost well, like it's annoying. Yeah. It's annoying to bring up things that happened during World War II all the time to justify things that are happening. Yeah. Now. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, I mean, his it just it kind of. I'd always thought it was a, even when I didn't really like him. I always thought he'd been vilely smeared because of that human yeah. shield thing. Mm. But now I think they had a point. I think maybe he was just being paid for it because it. He clearly has no principles at all. <laughs> if he'll do that, yeah. Um, it's it's when Iran starts to win, like we were just talking about, that the whole world yeah. kind of comes to Iraq's aid. Yeah. Um, the Iraqi army swells; it becomes like the the fourth they, biggest they start getting, land army, I believe. Yes. Yeah. About six hundred k, like over half a million uh, men. It just it's it. They get they get aid like like we're talking about before they get aid from everybody. Now the Saudis are helping, America's helping. Um, both sides are kind of trying to take each other's oil tankers out. Yeah, I was going like to say tanker war. That war. was a big thing. Yeah. And there's actually, uh, speaking of the Thames TV, uh, there's a really great piece that they did on um, a Norwegian oil tanker that like they had a, a guy on the ship going through the the Strait of Hormuz and it's like this is journalism like this yeah. is legitimately yeah, yeah, yeah. fucking this dude can yeah. get blown sky fucking high uh, yeah. and it's fascinating you can see he's interviewing all the dudes on the boat like this Norwegian guy going yeah I uh, no I didn't tell my wife uh, that I uh, <laughs> oh, that I came here uh, she, she's just better she does not know so. <laughs> 
<laughs> it's very funny. <laughs> so check that out on YouTube. <laughs> That's also a seafaring man. Yes, that is a real sailor. It's also at this time that Iran declares um, monarchies un-Islamic. And I thought that was so funny. Whether or not the Ayatollah meant to, that was some epic trolling, right? Because Islam has always had monarchs since (laughs) since Muhammad, right? Yeah, before, I mean, that whole area was all about monarchy before that. Always kings, right? And so I thought that was, this is why I say, like, I really do feel like so much of Shia Islam was just a way for the Persians to retain their culture. Mm. Um, I can see that. That's yeah. like that's that's a big picture. Uh, you know, I don't want to get. I don't want to upset. Yeah, that's probably <laughs> you're probably <laughs> fucking fought one now, bro. <laughs> I don't want to get fought one, <laughs> but I feel like so much of so much of Shia Islam is like there was a way for the Persians to to retain their culture and. I just think it's funny because there's no way that I don't, you know, this I, I this is an infidel speaking, but I feel like there's no way that monarchies can possibly be un-Islamic inherently. So I just think it's that that's like one of my favorite facts about the war. Yeah. I told like, oh, guess what? New fought yeah. against all. So Islamic, fuck so you, called. Saudis. Yeah. <laughs> well, do you think that's uh, that's kind of something that's a sort of revolutionary zeal and whatever, a bit like. It calls yeah. to mind Tony Blair in the and the new uh, third way, as he called it, and as Hitler called it as well. Yeah. Uh, that this sort of what anything we do is right because it's us that are doing it. Yes. So so we're the most Islamic, and so if the Islamic monarchies are against us, they must be on Islamic. It's like yeah, that kind of yeah. Yeah. They've negated themselves. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, fuck. Um, yeah. So um, so yeah, China. Uh, backed Iran, North Korea, uh, Libya, and Syria, um, and Japan, it looks like, also supplied uh, weapons and munitions uh, to the Iranians, which is, you know, kind of surprising that glorious Nippon sided with them. Oh. Uh, Very dishonorable. I always forget, is it Article 8 or Article 9 that bans war forever? In the Japanese I, Constitution, do you guys remember? Oh no, I no, don't know. I don't know. Don't because know it just—I kind of, only know that article. It's not like I know the entire Japanese Constitution, but I just know that article because it gets brought up so often. Um, and when the Japanese would eventually deploy um, some quote-unquote peacekeeping soldiers in two thousand three, two thousand four, um, they didn't wear their uniforms while they deployed, so they deployed just wearing suits and went <laughs> off to Iraq. Then changed into their military uniforms uh, once they got to Iraq, and they did that to be less offensive because it's so controversial now in yeah. Japan, anything that violates that article uh, of, uh, or you could even be perceived as violating that article. It could have um, made it's it. So it's so contentious there that they didn't even, they weren't even allowed to march off in uniform. They had they, to like wear suits. They could have made a hell of a J-pop video out of that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So, uh, what was the other thing? Oh, yeah. So, one of the other things that was going on was um, that uh, Kuwait kind of started handling. Well, the problem was is that again I mentioned before Syria backed Iran, um, and so the way that oil is transported out of um, Iraq traditionally, or at the time it was traditionally, was through a pipeline that went through Syria into the Mediterranean Ocean. Mediterranean Sea. Sorry, fucking yeah. retard. Um, yeah. Uh, and because of that, Syria was like, yeah, no, we're not going to let you export your oil. Uh, so you had to figure out another way. This required them to have require to, you know, rely even more on the uh, the sea, the Strait of Hormuz. 
uh, in order to get all their oil out. So in order to um, do that, they kind of leaned on, or really, I weirdly, like the Kuwaitis kind of leaned on Iraq a little bit to be like, hey, we can take care of this for you. We got some friends over in fucking the United States yeah. uh, who will take, who can, you know... Um, what do they do? They they switch the affiliations of the ships uh, under under different flags in order to um, yes. in order to be able to because you know I uh, the United States forces were technically supposed to not be non combatants in uh, yes. the conflict. They they changed the flag of the ship to a United the United States ship, and therefore they would be able to protect um, their uh, interest there. Which, by the way, to Oil. make another World War World War One comparison, doesn't that just give you some real like Lusitania German U-boats yeah, vibe? Yeah, it does. Yeah. All yeah. we got to do is get one boat. All we, you know, we'll lose one tanker, and then we can we'll we'll have what we need to to go to uh, to declare war. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, fortunately, it didn't uh, it didn't have to go that way. I guess uh, in some ways, fortunately, um, because uh, I, I would. Do you want to jump straight to the uh, the ceasefire? Um, I, well, one, I just want to say it's funny that Kuwait uh, thought that they were like, <laughs> thought that they were going like, to like kiss up to Saddam yeah. and that was going to work out and that was going to work out for them. As we know, it did not. Yeah. Um, otherwise, yeah, this is start where we start to get towards the end of the war because is now it, is the it entire Kuwait, world is, is backing Iraq. Is it Kuwait where the Shatal Arab Waterway is as well? Because that was, that's like at the top mm. of the. Oh, you, no, but it's, so. it's technically the Shatal Arab Arab waterway yeah that's technically in iran, iran. Yeah, it's in yeah, iran right yeah. oh that's right yeah, but it's, it's kind of near that's kuwait though i see where the yeah 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 that's yeah, the, yeah. The, yeah 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 that's right i just uh, uh, it, had the map in my head but the chateau Arab was in the wrong place on my map <laughs> it's wild because you know after the after the tanker wars that's when we start to i think you know we're in like 1986 1987 now uh, we're getting to the end of the war um, it's it's wild that even now with the entire world united behind Saddam, now that Saddam has like the world's fourth largest army, he's got all the support. Um, he's still not able to um, he's he's still not able to de defeat the Iranians. The world is not able to completely defeat the Iranians. Yeah. yeah. So he launches um, he launches this final uh, campaign called Trust in God. That's what I was confusing it with. Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> this is what I meant when I said, yeah. Oh, this before what I meant we when... go into that, I just want to make one other comparison to Please. not World War II, but I, it, I, it also occurs to me that there's a chance that Saddam planned to do a Iraqi version of the USS Liberty. Um, go on yeah well no i mean like he he openly stated that his his plan was to get uh those american ships moving all the oil uh the iraqi yeah. oil specifically so iran would attack them and draw the u.s into the war which was pretty much the same tactic you implemented except you know a little bit more fucking grug on the part of the israelis uh to be like yeah let, let's actually let's actually attack the ship <laughs> Um, I <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I mean, like, I mean, he Saddam very well could have been that grug and fucking attacked the ship and said, hey, it was the Iranians, you know. And at the time, no one would have wanted. Yeah, no one would have wanted to say otherwise. Yeah. Yeah. Same, exact same dynamic, really. As so US that just goes to show Saddam Hussein better than Israel <laughs> in one way. <laughs> so Saddam's got Saddam's got trust in God. It's his last ditch effort. Oh, that's where we were uh, exactly. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's his last ditch effort to try to get something out of this war other than just surviving. Yeah. Um, 
culminates in the Battle of Basra in 1987. Uh, let me see here. Let me just pull that part up. Massive, horrible battle. 300,000 Iraqis, 150,000 um, Iranians. Yeah. It halts any further Iranian advance. So that's basically... I guess it's a little bit like Gettysburg in that, in yeah. that regard. Um, and sometime after that, both sides decide finally to throw in the towel. Neither of nobody really got anything. Out yeah, of this UN war. was calling for fucking <laughs> ceasefire for I think over a year at this point, um, and trying to be, kind of beg both sides to the table. Um, and uh, and uh, as a result, eventually, you know, I think both sides were like, "This is not fucking panning out well for us, so we better cut our losses." Essentially, um, yeah. I mean, I, I can remember the TV news journalists in the day where they, they used to do this sort of thing, standing in flak jackets in the marshes as all these rockets are flying around, and, and it's just, just a bit, you know, absolute mayhem. And the, they kind of didn't know what to say; they were just sort of saying. Look at this; it's really bad. <laughs> like, it, I think it just it got to that level by that time, didn't it? Um, yeah, and this is where um, this is where I actually, because you know, the only reason I have any interest in history is so that I can make up uh, alternate history theories. Cool. Is if <laughs> if it seems like Saddam trying to win the war was actually the biggest mistake of his entire life. Yeah. Um, yeah. Once, once the world had turned against Iran, the best thing he could have done for himself is to let Iran uh, start to win. Uh, once the once the Ayatollah refused um, refused his uh, olive branch, basically, yeah. and said we're marching into Baghdad. If he if Saddam had somehow made it look like he was losing completely, right, and he started to like withdraw and he let the Iranians march in, like deep into Iraq and even get to Baghdad, the world would have gone nuts. Oh yeah, everyone yeah. would have been terrified that the the um, Islamo these 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 uh, Islamo crazy terrorist government is taking the world's oil supply. I mean, people would have gone crazy. You could have actually gotten like the U.S. to actually fully commit yeah. to um, to fighting against uh, Iran and the whole world. Twenty years earlier. Side. Yeah, yeah, the whole yeah, exactly. The whole world would have been on Saddam's side, and uh, he would have seen. They, I mean, you could you could see Saddam like on the cover of Time magazine. It's like, yeah, um, you know, person of the year is like this great hero, kind of in the same way that um, Bin Laden was like this great hero fighting the Soviets. Yeah. Um, if he had just made it look like if, if our Saddam brave Mujahideen soldiers. Of, at the yes, end of fucking Rambo, guy, thir- Rambo three, dude. <laughs> it, it, with with Saddam, he could be like, "I'm a secular, you know, I'm a secular leader." I, I shave I my chin. Dem- yeah, I want democracy. Uh, you know, I want democracy for my people. And I will always love you, by crazies. Whitney Houston. Yeah, I am. I'm the cool Muslim. I'm the cool Muslim. <laughs> please, uh, please get behind me. I'm the cool secular modern Muslim. These is these Iranian crazies are attacking me. If he had done that, dude, like you could have ended up with a situation where. Um, uh, the U.S. and the Soviet Union were like both beating up, you know, both actually yeah. attacking Iran. You could have ended up with, uh, you know, European support, like open military European support for Saddam. It just your mind kind of boggles because that would have just completely changed Middle Eastern politics this, uh, as we know it. That he could have probably pulled it off by simply shaving his mustache off. Yeah. Then, <laughs> I'm uh, I'm Madas. Yeah, but yeah. Brezhnev would have been straight on the phone to Reagan saying, "Look, this guy does not stand the chance. <laughs> the mustache is gone. He <laughs> must intervene, Mr. President." It might it might have ended the Cold War. 
un- unlikely, but you never yeah. know. I, mean, I, will, no, I wanted to there. bring I wanted to bring that up is that that could have also complete if there had been if the if Iran had actually started to win and really win hard and the US and the Soviet Union are both forced to team up to beat Iran, imagine how that would have changed uh, yeah. Cold War relations. I mean, yeah. the, Soviet, the Soviet Union might never have collapsed. It might, or at least, yeah, at the yeah. very least, I feel like it would have lived on for a longer time. Yeah, it could yeah. have injected a, a few more broken windows into that fallacy for a few more years. I do, I don't want to get into a, a crazy tangent, but I do think that, like, you could have had a, a liberalized Soviet Union that didn't completely collapse, like, yeah, that yeah. still retained, like, the, like, it kind of went the way of China, maybe something yeah, like that. Yeah, it could have gone fascist instead yeah. of going. Well, I just there's so if it, 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 it that that's what sticks out to me the most is that if Saddam the best thing Saddam could have done the most paradoxical thing about this weird war is that if Saddam had simply not done as well if he had really yeah. you know especially at that yeah. critical point where Iran is starting Dude, to he's win somebody's cousin. <laughs> like at the end of the day, we're talking about somebody's cousin right here. Like, I, I, I guess I what think, I, I guess. Yeah, I think sorry. the mustache probably gave him the kind of yeah. bravado that he, he, he was sort of like, oh, I can do this. I just he is like Saddam is definitely you know he's one of these dudes who rises up from being uh, you know uh, a street urchin to a gangster to. Yeah. Uh, a military dude to just like dictator. I just I would actually expect him kind of like a because in a lot Lansky of other ways story. he was he could be very Machiavellian and creative in, in terms of how he dealt with his enemies and how he um, stayed in power. Um, just from a strictly Machiavellian perspective, mm-hmm. I'm not I'm not saying that I'm not saying Saddam is cool. I'm just saying that Saddam was very clever in um, in his statecraft, I guess. Yeah. And I just I. Maybe this is me totally Monday morning quarterbacking, but it just seems like if you have the whole world's sympathy, the best thing to do actually is to um, take is a to knee. take a take a knee, take a hit, yeah, yeah. take, take an L. It would have totally, and and you know, I mean, I, there's so many ways that that could have completely changed my right. same thing with World War One, of course. By the way, there's yes. millions yeah. of ways it could have spun out differently, but instead, yeah. what we got was now Iraq, uh, now Saddam specifically, both sides really, but p- particularly uh, Saddam, were able to spin this to their citizens as like, look, we got, to, you know, even though we, you know, actual, you know, there's no, you know, material gains we can see point to like the. the 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 borders went back to pre-war uh you know li- li- actual bat lines on the map but you know look, look we really showed them a fucking lesson so maybe we'll try again next time <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which he did in two years and it didn't end as well <laughs> well, I well it didn't end well war- no matter what <laughs> Yeah, this is the first war that uh, used drones. Both sides used little drones to. They could. I don't think they actually had any of them armed, but they could use them for uh, surveillance. I actually got to see some um, drones from the Iran-Iraq War when I was in D.C. at the National Mall. They had um, hmm. uh, a, a couple of like captured Iranian drones. I think that they probably looted from Iraq, but um, they're they're funny. They're like little. They got little devils on them and stuff. Yeah. They're, they're cool. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, first time you had helicopter to helicopter combat. Yeah, there's been lots of helicopter. Yeah, for, first and only time you had lots of little, uh, you know, helicopter strikes, but you've never actually had helicopters going up in dogfights against helicopters, yeah. which is, I, I've, I wish I, I've never been able to find any footage of it, but apparently it did happen. Yeah, that would be, uh, that would be uh, interesting to see, wouldn't it? 
Because it's normally only one side that's got helicopters, isn't it? Right. Yeah, that's it's usually yeah, it's usually helicopters. Usually, usually it's got Wagner playing yeah. in the background. So this is what I mean. It's like the the Iran Iraq War. The reason why it's so fascinating is because it contains kind of past, present, and future. It's got it's got like on one hand, it's like a reversion back to older forms of war. It's it, it's sort of like the Middle East version of World War One, which is like horrible it's got trench like war. Character tropes of of sort of of World War Two. Yes, it's got weird. Like you got you got these weird kind of um, larger than life uh, characters, you know. Yeah, you have these like big ideologies that are that are now sort of uh, taking hold uh, in in mobilizing people for total war. So in that regard, it's a little bit more like World War Two. And then you also get a window into what World War Three would be like, assuming that we didn't all get nuked. Like if there was like a limited nuclear exchange between the U.S. and Soviet Union, and then everybody else suddenly saw the chance to um, to uh, grab their their neighbor's territory, you get a real window into just how bad it could be. Mm. Um, you know what what it's like when you have all these evenly matched countries with um, modern technology just uh, unleashing it on each other. Mm. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah. And then, uh, we all know, maybe, maybe I was saying, uh, to you in DMs actually that we could, uh, maybe talk about, uh, the next, uh, Iraq, next chapter in the Iraq saga, uh, another time, if you'd be willing to come back, that'd be fucking sweet. Sure. Absolutely. Sweet. That'd be great. Um, so yeah, I guess that's a pretty good place. There's even, there's even a, there's, there's lots of interesting intrigue in the, kind of preamble to the Gulf War. Yeah, but that happens between now and the beginning of the what was it, 91 Gulf War. Yeah. There's loads of little tidbits about that. So it'll make a it'll make a fun episode that. Right. I just and, want to say about oh yeah sorry. Ahead. No no please I just please. want to say before, uh, I just want to say before we finish, uh I just want to reiterate this point is that there's a reason we don't oh hear yeah much yeah about this yeah war. yeah yeah the Iran Iraq war is probably the most like epic insane war ever. Yeah. Easily one of the craziest wars of the 20th century. And yet, you know, when you go and you watch History Channel or whatever, all of these, like, or, or you see the movies that come out based on certain wars, even foreign wars, like, you know, like Hotel Rwanda or something like mm. that, you yeah. almost never hear anything about Iran-Iraq war, despite how crazy it was. And why is that? Picture, it's because... picture of Donald Rumsfeld shaking hands. Yeah, you've had Rumsfeld literally shaking hands. There's a great <laughs> clip where they ask Rumsfeld about the time when he went and shook hands with um, Saddam. And instead of being like... <laughs> Instead of saying, instead of saying, well, you know, uh, times are different. He just starts off by saying, uh, where did you get that clip? What, what are you talking about? When did I, what, what, what do you mean? You have a video of me shaking hands with Saddam? Like he doesn't remember or something yeah. or it's all just a big blur. He handled it worse reason... than when Louis CK asked him if he was a lizard person. <laughs> <laughs> are you a just, fucking it's... lizard person? The, the reason why I think it just doesn't get talked about and why it's been like memory hold, despite being like just one of the most um, truly epic wars ever is because it's just so embarrassing for, for the yeah. United States and for the West. Yeah. It's when everybody supported Saddam, this like openly genocidal, super aggressive maniac um, unconditionally, basically for 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 oil money reasons. And, and we, just don't, we just don't want to remember it. I, and the stash. And you had the stash, and everyone can, everyone wanted a, a, a Saddam Hussein mustache ride, and you know it was the eighties. And for for anyone who thinks that this sort of whole the all the media in the world all uh, singing off the same hymn sheet is something new, just try and <laughs> try and find a documentary made about the Iran Iraq War after right. about nineteen ninety. Yeah, yeah, you guys, you. You guys, you guys, tell me we need a war against Assad. Well, I remember yeah. the time where you guys told me that we needed to fight a war for Saddam. So yeah, yeah. exactly. 
Yeah, and well, I'm not gonna get them up my soapbox. We talk about it enough, but yeah, it's just like <laughs> when I hear, I'm not gonna get the specifics or anything. Uh, less we get kicked off of YouTube, but I mean, like when I hear the people today, just like literally taking whatever the fucking media says a gospel as gospel. Now it's like these are the guys who lied about weapons of mass destruction, not even no twenty years ago. Yeah. No, they're yeah. the same people, and suddenly they're just fucking <laughs> angels. Okay, these are yeah. these are the guys who told Congress they weren't tapping your phone and when somebody leaked evidence to contradict that the guy leaking the evidence got sent to jail so <laughs> the lady <Yeah. laughs> and the guy who, t who lied to congress no consequences in fact he's still testifying to congress and last still year. a contributor on msnbc yeah <laughs> it's fucking unreal uh, Anyway, so uh, and and just just to put a, a, a fine point on it, uh, Maxwell's show Schizotopia.net is amongst the finest podcasts uh, on the net, um, and uh, he just he, I, I William I, I don't know if he said it on the show or just to me in private conversation, but you're like you're like the Le the Larry King of you know obscure intelligentsia. You know what yeah. I mean? I guess. Thank you. I'll yeah. take it. No, I'll take it. Yeah, that sounds great. You would really do do such a great fair interview with people, and you'll hear like I mean, you're here talking to us for Christ's sakes. I mean, yes, <laughs> I, I am a I am a brain origami master, and um, it you know it, it guides everything I do. Okay, it's a benevolent it's a benevolent philosophy <laughs> of, of mental exploration. <laughs> Uh, yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah. So I'll just r rattle off a couple of your plugs, but, uh, yeah, follow, um, follow Maxwell on, uh, Twitter at brain origami, uh, follow, yep. uh, on Instagram. Great memes, by the way, meme master. Um, uh, and also the, uh, uh, Ayatollah, uh, no, so I, anim what, what was it? Animania. Uh, uh, Kawaii Tola oh, Animania. Tola. Yes. <laughs> yes. Was made uh, inspired by this uh, this appointment that we had together to talk about this. But yes, the top notch and uh, at schizotopia.net. Okay. I don't know. I wasn't uh, sure that dots could actually be in uh, URLs, but um, or rather uh, handles. But yes, it's at oh, schizotopia.net. Yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah. Uh, so anything else you want to plug? No, I think that's it. Um, well, we're good. Thank you so much. No problem. Uh, yeah, he also has a Patreon. I just think it's probably patreon.com slash schizotopia.net. <laughs> oh, yeah, sure. I'd love to get paid like Larry King, too. So yeah. please, please well, plug the Patreon. He didn't, he didn't, hopefully you won't have fucking five ex-wives. Seven. Seven. Well, no, two of them he remarried. It was five different uh, women. Jesus Christ! Oh, I always say my my position on marriage is um, I don't know if I'm if I if I'll ever get married, but I'm never getting divorced. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's cheaper to kill him. Yeah, you could go the old uh, the old Bill the Shatner old Henry route. the Eighth one, the old Henry the Eighth route. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, I have a I picked a much uh, more uh, a much more uh, relevant historical figure, Bill Shatner. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but anyway, uh, so yeah, so that, all that stuff, please follow Maxwell, everything he does. He's a fucking genius. He's a fucking savant. He's a fucking, he's a legend. Uh, he's a hero. He's a patriot. 
and we have the documents. <laughs> um, and uh, so for us, uh, for the audio version of the show, www.historyhomos.com or anywhere you find podcasts. For the video version of the show, uh, we're on YouTube, BitChute, Odyssey, and our Telegram channel. Uh, there's a link tree in the bios of any of our social media accounts. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Scott Lizard Abrams. Sorry, that's me. But we can also follow William across social media on Twitter and Instagram uh, at History Homos Pod. Um, and Telegram. Please get on Telegram. You too, Maxwell. It's fucking dope. Um, it's the future okay. of social media. Uh, and uh, <laughs> and you can get the, to our uh, uh, our Telegram channel at uh, t as in tranny dot me slash history homos. And you can follow get get to our group chat at t.me slash history homos chat. Uh, William, what do you want to say to the beautiful ladies and gentlemen? Turn off the news. Later, homos.